Welcome to From Small Beginnings to Great Endings, the podcast where we do indeed crush procrastination and accomplish our goals one small action at a time. Let me ask you a question. When you saw the title of this podcast, did your heart leap just a little bit? Are you struggling with debt? What I'm going to share with you today will absolutely transform your life. If you, if you put it into practice, these four simple yet important steps to crush debt and build wealth that will, it will truly change your life going forward. First, let me, let me pull back the curtain and reveal a little bit of my own story. I can best describe my home growing up as one of complete and utter financial and emotional chaos. Uh, I'm the youngest of three brothers. I was born in Bellwood. Actually, I was born in Melrose Park. We were, our neighborhood was uh, blue collar, starter homes, young families, you know, each, each home had you know, anywhere from two to five, six kids, uh, a typical 1970s idyllic middle, lower middle class working family uh, type of neighborhood. My dad was an insurance adjuster and a bookmaker. You heard me correctly. He was a bookmaker. He was, he was working his way through law school with three kids in tow, and uh, he did what he had to do. My mom was a part-time secretary for a psychiatrist, of all people, and the irony of that you'll, you'll probably see as the story unfolds. I, really, it was, it was the greatest time to be a kid in the greatest neighborhood. We, we all loved our neighborhood. My, uh, my grandparents, my, my Italian grandparents lived on the same block. Uh, it was, uh, we loved them. They loved us. We were at their house constantly. Uh, so it was just a great place. And each, in, the, on the, in our neighborhood, each uh, age group, there was myself and two brothers, each age group had anywhere from seven to ten kids to call upon and to go outside, and we and we spent our days outside constantly. Our our vacations as a family were bare bones trips to campgrounds, and we would usually go with any one of the four or five families that my parents were great friends with. The parents and, and all the kids were were great friends with. And then then two things happened. My dad passed the bar exam. My dad was going to law school. He passed the bar exam. And our neighborhood changed very drastically and crime skyrocketed. And uh, there was pretty much a mass exodus of all of the families that were there in our neighborhood moved out. We moved to Downers Grove, uh, sort of a you know, upper middle class suburb uh, of, of Chicago. And within two years of moving to Downers Grove, my parents separated. I was 12 years old thereabouts and they ultimately divorced. And that's when the pin got pulled all the way out of the insanity grenade. I, I've said this comment many times to, to family and friends. Every family is a scratchy lottery ticket. The insanity is, is really just below the surface. It's just a question of how hard you have to rub to get that covering off to, to expose the insanity. Do you need a dime or a quarter to scratch it off? Because it's all there. Every family has crazy. And ours, uh, I think with a stiff, a stiff breeze would blow the... Uh, Vernier off our, our scratchy lottery ticket to revealing sanity that was taking place in our family. My mom was a big picture, damn the details kind of person. She fought any attempt to pin her down with rules or conformity, and no one was going to tell her how to spend money. Uh, it was just, it, when it came to money, my mom just could not or would not see the absolute correlation between indiscriminate spending and household dysfunction, because the reality is one will follow the other as surely as night follows day. Uh, when we had higher income, household income, just after my dad started practicing law, my mom spent a ton of money on clothing, an insane amount of things for our new home in Downers Grove. Two pinball machines, two jukeboxes, 
a pool table, potted plants, live and fake, were everywhere. Statues of wild animals, a lion, a zebra, a tiger, a giraffe, a baby grand piano. We used to joke that if there were one square inch of carpet not covered with a statue or a plant, my mom would run to the store to buy something. And we all just constantly stubbed our toes on stuff uh, in the home. When money became tight in our home during my parents' separation and ultimate divorce, I noticed my mom would spend money in a bizarre way at the grocery store. Specifically, a specific example of that is whenever lemons or limes would go on sale, and it's funny that I remember this, <laughs> this specific thing. Whenever lemons or limes would go on sale for five or 10 cents each, my mom would come home with a bag of 20 or 30 of them. And, and I'm not kidding. There would be 20 or 30 limes or lemons, and that's when I know they must be on sale for, for five cents each. They would all go in the fridge, and if she bought 20, 19 of them would get thrown out because who's going to use 20 limes? But I, I noticed that. And then later in my life, when my mom would come to one of our homes for a family event, my mom would always show up with five or six pies from Baker Square, and I would constantly get in fights with her because by this time I had lent her so much money that every pie I saw that was getting thrown away, I saw that as money she'd been used to paying me back. And so yeah, my mom's was just, just, she would not conform and just was not, was not wise with money. And that, that had a lot of impact on the, the emotional environment in our home. My dad wasn't necessarily better with money. He just had a lot more of it, which allowed him to buy peace with when problems arose in his life with his second wife. You know, you can throw money at problems to push them down the road. That's, that's the beauty, I guess, of money. Uh, you, there, there are, I had a lawyer once tell me, there are problems that money can solve and problems that money can't solve. And a lot of times, they're not necessarily solving problems, they're just pushing the consequences down the line. And that's, uh, that's kind of how things were with my dad's second wife. When my brothers and I were old enough, my dad used to drill it into our heads that we should pay off our homes as quickly as we possibly could. That was like one of his big pieces of financial advice. Pay off your home as fast as you can. Pay off your home as fast as you can. Whether it was good advice or bad is, is, is to be debated, but it was something that we, my brothers and I all did. We all paid off our homes very quickly. But beyond that, there wasn't a whole lot of financial advice except work hard and go make a lot of money. That was, that was his mantra. Work hard and go make a lot of money. My dad ended up going to prison for federal crimes he committed. Yes, you heard me correctly. He went to prison for uh, financial crimes he committed, for you know, uh, yeah, financial crimes and, and other. And that's when yet another insanity grenade was, was launched in our family. My dad's second wife was even less interested in rules than my mom was. Without my dad there to keep her spending in tr control, she got 16 credit cards and ran up over $260,000 of debt in those cards in addition to burning through over a million dollars of savings and income that my dad still had coming in. This lady could spend with both fists. Meanwhile, while just prior to that, my mom was and her second husband were in the process of separating and losing the home in Downers Grove that we had moved to because all the loans they had taken out against the home finally became too much for them to handle. And here's a quick story that might just sort of shed light on what it was like in our home. One night, my mom and her second husband pulled into the driveway with a boat, one that my brothers and I were absolutely certain they couldn't afford. Most kids would respond with something like, oh my God, they bought a boat. We responded with, oh my God, they bought a boat. <laughs> same, same sentence, different tone. And that's, that's how we saw 
life uh, in, in, that, in that household. It, th there are a myriad of other details that I can go, go into in order to completely fill in the blanks for this literally decades-long tragedy. But one of the most important things I want you to hear is this. If you have children, don't think for one second that they are not being impacted by your financial indiscretions. If you don't have control of your finances, to the degree that you don't have control of your finances, there, you're creating financial chaos and emotional chaos in your home that your children will, they will feel it palpably. You may not be duplicating the utter and complete chaos that my brothers and I experienced in our home, but if debt has become an issue in your home and you are not taking steps to face it head on, your children will feel it. They will feel that emotional pain and, and the chaos in their, in their lives. When my brothers and I reflect on our own childhood, we constantly say this phrase, where was the adult in the room? Where was the adult in the room? If you have financial dysfunction in your home, be the adult in the room. Fix it. And here's how. I'm going to give you four steps to fixing it. You can choose to do what you want with these steps, but they're here for you. You can never say ever again, I didn't know what to do. Here are the four steps to fix it. Step number one, start by examining all your monthly spending. Put all your monthly spending under a microscope. Just after I left the trading floor, one of the things that I embarked on doing was a personal financial advisor. But what I wanted to do even within that was not so much manage people's investments as manage as, as consult with people on their, uh, their, daily, their, daily, uh, their daily lives, their daily spending, helping people that were, that were experiencing debt. And there was a, a friend of a friend of a friend. I mean, this was like three pe people removed that somebody reached out to me and said, hey, there's, there's a lady I know, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend who she's struggling. She's, got, she's divorced. She's got a small, small child. Would you meet with her and, and review her finances and see if you can't help her out? I said, Absolutely. So I sat, sat and met with her, actually, I, uh, wherever we met, at the office, wherever it was. And, you know, this was a lady that you can tell life had kind of beaten her up. I think the divorce was caught her off guard. And she had a, a grammar school aged daughter. And she had to leave their family home and move into an apartment. One of the things that got revealed right away in our conversation was, that in order to move into an apartment she can afford, she had to give up the dog that she and her daughter loved. As soon as I heard that, I knew that this is a person who is committed to making change. This isn't a person who's going to, who's, who's, this is a person who's willing to experience personal pain to do what needs to be done to provide for her and her daughter. She didn't try to go live with family so that she can keep the dog. I, I'm not, I, I felt horrible that she had to do that, but I, the first thing I, I, when I found, it out, found this out was applaud her, say, you, you are demonstrating a level of grit and personal responsibility that most people would fight not to have to deal with. You're facing the biggest pain head on, that of giving up your family pet. And I assured her, everything from here will be a, a whole lot easier than, than what you've already had to do. So the next two hours she and I spent, we went over every single one of her bills. We, we looked at all of her spending and, and there's not, there was no margin left in her, in, her, in her budget. But by the time we got done, by the time we looked at every one of her expenses, she was spending money each month on a life insurance policy for her daughter, $7,000 life insurance policy. Well, okay, that's, that's, that was 60 bucks a month, something like that. She had cable TV, which, you know, she shouldn't be deprived of that, but 
let's let's call and see if we can't lower the package. So we got Comcast or whomever on the phone. I had her. On, I had them on the phone with her. Her blessing, you know, they they acknowledged. She acknowledged that I could speak for at that time, and we got her bill down probably by more than half. They also there was also like a hundred dollar uh, installation fee that was lingering. We had got we got that wiped away. We ended up just line by line getting her monthly expenses reduced by over two hundred dollars a month. I think it was two hundred thirty dollars a month. We reduced her monthly expenses. This this was life changing money for her, and. It's all relative for everybody that, that's listening. It may be, you, you may be living at a lifestyle where you can find 2,000 a month. You may be living in a lifestyle where you can find 5,000 a month. If you just take the time to put it, your spending under a microscope and find what I call brown bag opportunities. Brown bag opportunities are, are the places in your, in your monthly spending. So number, step number one, you're gonna examine all spending. Step number two, you're going, to, you're, you're going to find brown bag opportunities. These are opportunities to save money. Just like bringing your lunch to work is an opportunity to save money each day. You're going to, you're going to examine your spending, find places where you can cut your monthly expenses, and then you're going to take that money that you are spending. Let's say, for example, that uh, I'm just going to pick something. Let, let's just pick that your cable TV bill is $200 a month and you get it reduced to $100 a month. You now have $100 a month to work with. Well, you're gonna take that $100 a month and you're going to send that towards your debt. So step part, part of step one is listing all of your debts, whether it's credit card debt, so everything except your mortgage. So list all of your debts except your mortgage. I mean, you just list your mortgage, but we're gonna put that you know, on, on, on the side for now. So you're gonna examine all your spending and list all your debts. So when you list your debts, credit card debts, you know, you know, money owed to Uncle Jim, wherever, wherever you owe money to, you're going to list them and you're going to list them uh, on the top of the page. You're going to put the smallest balance and you're going to, uh, and then to the largest balance in the bottom and then everything in between. And then when you examine your spending and find Braunbeck opportunities, you're going to take that money and you're going to use now what's called the index card method. So you've examined your spending, you've listed your debts. You found brown bag opportunities. You found money within your monthly expenses that you, that you can now allocate towards someplace else. And you're going to do the index card method. You're going to write down, let's say you found a grand total of $300 a month in your, in your monthly budget, in your monthly spending that, that you can eliminate. You can eradicate it. It's, it's, it's Starbucks. It's, uh, it's a, a lower cable bill. It's getting rid of uh, Netflix. It's, it's you know, paring away all the things. And now you found a grand total of $300 a month, whatever that number is. You're going to take, take index cards. Now, when I first did this method, this, I first created this method back in the early 90s. And you know, there, was, there were no apps available. So now with technology, you can, create, you can streamline this so beautifully and make it so much more efficient. But you're going you're gonna to take that $300 a month and you're going to send it to that first debt that you have listed on the page. So if you, let's say you owe $1,000 to Uncle Jim. And, and maybe at a 0% interest, I don't care. It's the smallest one. You list the smallest one first. Some people will say list the highest interest debt, interest debt first. I'm of the opinion that mom, momentum is created when accomplishments create momentum. So if you owe your Uncle Jim a thousand bucks at zero percent, and the next 
item is you owe, say, 2000 bucks to a credit card and the credit card's at 20%, keep making the minimum payments on debts to, through, whatever, but you're going to send that extra $300 a month to that first debt and you're going to get that knocked off. And then you're going to start attacking debt number two because you're, there's nothing, momentum, that accomplishment will create momentum. And when you do that, you're going to, you're going to just, you're going to create momentum and, and, and celebrate that victory. Every time you pay off a new debt or, or every time you pay off an existing debt, celebrate that victory. Go out for pizza. Do something to celebrate that victory. And if you, if you go back and listen to my very first podcast episode, How I Paid Off My Mortgage with Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwiches, that was an, an example of another brown bag opportunity. Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwiches were a way that I could create $5 a month, $5 a day savings uh, instead of buying my lunch. So I approximated that it was about $5 a month, $5 a day of savings by brown bagging my lunch. So, and there were 20 working days-ish a month. So that's $100 a month and I would just send $100 extra towards my mortgage. These are, these are the things you need to do. Step one. So step one, examine your spending and list all your debts from smallest to largest. Step two, find the brown bag opportunities in, in that spending. What, what can you do without? Cut this to the bone. I look back and I think about my childhood and how we knew, my brothers and I, we knew that there was a debt problem in our home. We didn't have the language for it. We just knew that there was a money problem in our home. But yet we were living at this kind of higher lifestyle. You know, there's a boat and we're, and we're boating on weekends. And, but then, you know, during the week, we're realizing there's, there's no money for groceries. There's no, there, we're hearing fights about, you know, what, what, bill, to get, what bill gets paid. I, I would have cherished my parents, my mom and my, and my stepdad at the time coming to us and saying, look, you know, we're just, we're, we're living beyond our means. We need to, we need to cut back. We need to, to kind of get some sanity in our, in our lives here. We need to create stability in our home. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to sell the boat. We won't be going on, uh, you know, boating weekends and, and, my brothers and I would have celebrated that. We would have embraced that because even then we felt it. We, like I said, 12, you know, if I'm 12, 13, 14, my brothers are, you know, at that time, my next brother's one year older than four years older than that. We would have, we would have embraced that. We would have been, yeah, okay, we're all in on this. How can we help? How can we be a part of this? And, you know, we look back and think, where was the adult in the room to, to make those decisions? And I'm telling you, the greatest gift you can give to your kids is not a boat that you can't afford. It's, it's stability in your home. It's financial stability in your home that forsaking that boat for a season will provide. That's the gift that your kids want, stability. And if there's financial chaos in your home, be the parent. Be the adult in the room. So again, just to review. Step one, examine all your spending, list your debts, smallest to largest. Step two, find your brand bag opportunities. Step three, apply the index card method where you're taking the excess money that you found and you're attacking your debts with it, right? You're living, you're living, uh, you're tightening the belt and, but you're, but you are, in, you are, you are intentionally 
sending that money each month, so each week, to pay down debts and get those debts knocked down. And you're celebrating each one of those victories. And step four, here's step four that, that is interesting, that may not work for everyone. It depends on, on your household, but I'm going to suggest it. Create new streams of income. That may mean getting a, uh, you know, getting a part-time job. Dad, maybe you can go and, and go work uh, you know, part-time on, on weekends or something. Um, here's something I'm going to suggest because this is something I've looked into. There's a website called Furnished Finder. They are just like a VRBO or a uh, Airbnb. But Furnished Finder, this is a really interesting market, and this market is growing. This Nurses... Traveling, there's, there's a, a uh, traveling nurses is a thing now, which means that there's such a, a need for nursing nurses all throughout the United States that hospitals in one state will pay, uh, pay for a nurse to come and work a three month contract. So these nurses are getting 90 day contracts out of state or some, sometimes, uh, you know, out of sometimes within the same state. So for instance, my wife and I had to go to the hospital in Florida. She had a, she's had a heart issue that we got, actually got rectified, but it, it acted up. We went to the hospital and the nurse was there. She, and he said, it was a male nurse. He said, I'm a traveling nurse. Uh, we were in Fort Myers. He had come in from Miami. So he comes up from Miami for five days a week and then goes back home. He's got a three month contract. So this hospital in Fort Myers was short staffed. They provided, they pay him a stipend. It's usually about, it's, it's usually about $1,400 a month, a, a housing stipend, $1,400 to $1,500 a month. If you have a room in your home, or if you have uh, like a, a basement or uh, like a finished basement that's not being used, you can list that on this Furnished Finder website. So I encourage you to go to furnishedfinder.com and look in your area and see some people just put a room. Hey, I've got a room available. For, and these part-time nurses, typically they're working 12-hour shifts, and they have about a $1,500 a month stipend. Now, if you're just offering a room, you're probably going to be able to charge seven or 800 a month. But if you have like a, like a finished basement, like we had, and I, and I put it on there just to see, because our, our basement in our home is finished, and it's kind of finished like an apartment. And I put it on there just to see what it would do. Sure enough, I've got, I've got offers from nurses wanting to pay, pay us $1,900 a month to you to to stay in our basement because it's like I said, it's like an apartment. It's got its own entrance. It's got a kitchen down there. It's got a bedroom and a, like a fan room area. So I, I just did it as an experiment to see what would happen. I mean, sure enough, it's there. So this is, this is something I encourage you to look into if, if it works for you. It doesn't work for everybody. Some people are leery about that and I get it. But the nice thing about traveling nurses, they're already vetted. I mean, they're already nurses, right? They've already got their, their fingerprinted, They've got all sorts of background done and the hospital that they're staying at will already have done a, a fair amount of background on them. So this is an option for, uh, for the right person with the right personality who's, who's, who has the right home to create a, a stream of income for even a short period of time. Like I said, these nurses, they do three month contracts. So, and it's funny because my dad was in the hospital about three months ago in the in uh, the south suburbs of chicago and the nurse there was a gal and she was a traveling nurse she was from i, I think she was like oklahoma or something she had come up from oklahoma on a three-month stint so we've been running into these traveling nurses and this there's a there's a real market there for that so i i say all that because like i said if it works for you great 
you know, it, utilize, utilize what you already have instead of, you know, you don't necessarily have to go out and work 20 more hours a week if you've got room in your home and it works for you, right? It's got to work for you. You've got to be comfortable with it. Um, but I would encourage you to look at that as a stream of income. And then you take all those dollars and you throw it at the debt and you just, you just attack your debt like a, like a, like a lion attacking a gazelle. So you have before you a four-step plan that will absolutely change your life if you engage with it. it. It's not a complicated plan. If you have questions about it, send me an email, coachbillpro at gmail.com. That's coachbillpro at gmail.com. I will walk you through it. Contact me by email. I'll walk you through it step by step. There's a, I, some of you may have heard of Dave Ramsey. Some, he, for some people, his, his information is uh, flawed. For some people, they applaud it. I'm just going to say, if you go to YouTube, if you YouTube Dave Ramsey, debt-free streams. So every Friday, Dave Ramsey, who he's a, he's a financial counselor. He has people that call into his radio show or come to his, his studio and they do these debt-free streams. And these are people that had debt from anywhere from 5,000 to 500,000 that have attacked it the way I'm just describing right now. And then they come to his, to his studio and they scream, I'm debt-free, we're debt-free. It is extremely motivational. Whatever your opinion is of Dave Ramsey, most, most of the people that have a bad opinion of Dave Ramsey are people that are well, that are well established with money and you know, are, are on the other spectrum where they have plenty of money and they're, they're, uh, you know, they're investing in real estate and stuff like that. Whereas Dave, the, Dave Ramsey's information is more for people that are, look, you know, we need to get our financial legs in front and below us and, and stand on, on firmer ground. So for motivation, go to YouTube, type in Dave Ramsey debt-free screams. You will get chills when you hear some of these stories. I mean, these people cry when they talk about the debt that they have, the overwhelming debt, and how their lives have changed as a result of having overcome this debt. Look, the second half of the year, it is July, what is today? July 7th. The second half of the year has just started. You have time this year to, to change your financial life. You, the time this year to begin to change your financial destiny. And, and you can crush your debt one small action at a time. We, we tend to, as a, as a, as a people, as a, as we tend to overestimate what we can do in one year and completely un underestimate what we can do in three years. So if it's taken you 10 years to get into debt, it's not going to take you one year to get out. It might take you one, two, three years to get out. But there is a momentum to this. Once you start doing it, you just you, you have accomplishments create momentum. And like I said, what we underestimate, we overestimate what we can do in one year and completely underestimate what we can do in three years. And if you can keep your eye on the prize, celebrate your victories along the way, keep putting that red X on the calendar, keep hammering away at that debt chip by chip, skip the Starbucks, ignore Starbucks. Find out what you've been spending each month on Starbucks. Here, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to go back to step number one, examining your, your spending. Whatever you think, I want you to examine what you spend on groceries and dining out. Whatever you think off the top of your head that you're spending on dining out, I promise you it's minimum double that, if not triple. If you think you're spending $500 a month on dining out, I can promise you it's 1000 but most likely it's $1,500 a month on dining out. I can promise you that. I, I've never seen... I've never seen anybody not, uh, not at minimum uh, underestimate their spending on their monthly uh, restaurant spending by at least half. So I promise you, 
If you think you're spending $500 a month on, on dining out, it's no less than 1000 It's probably 1500 Same with groceries. If you think you're spending 1000 a month on groceries, you're probably spending close to 2000 a month on groceries. Those two spots are where you can harvest probably the biggest amount of money between groceries, dining out. Dining out is going to be number one. Number two is going to be things like your cable bill and all of your ancillary subscriptions. You're, those, those are the, the two places where you're probably going to find the two biggest uh, uh, sources of, of additional income that you can, you can divert towards paying down debt. So if this message, if this message is spoken to you, please share it with somebody else. Or if any of the messages of my previous messages, this is episode number 21. So last week was episode number 20, a sort of a small celebration victory for me. We made it to 20 episodes. If any of the previous 20 episodes have, have really spoken to you and you can think of somebody else who it might speak to, would you just forward it to them? This is where we do no advertising here. We're, we're not trying to sell anything. We're just, I just want to, uh, with word of mouth, get these, get these, uh, get these bits of information out and see how people and, and let people see how they can change their lives one small action at a time because i know you can do it and i believe you know someone who can do the same so until next time everyone be well